Welcome to what is the launch of a brand new series called Tables Turned. Yes, another podcast to add to the hundreds of thousands out there, but I think this one is a little bit special. I admire the people who provide others with a platform, and it's never been more important to be able to do so. And asking the right questions is at a premium. In a time when there's so much out there with podcasts, 24-hour TV, social media, streaming, gaming, it's all calling for our attention. They are the ones who make us care and bring us closer to the people whose stories need telling. This is my why. My name's Dan McLaren, and this series I'll be talking to people who have got to know and admire to find out how they do it. What are the secrets to opening up those small windows into a life or a moment? Earlier this summer, I was lucky enough to sit down with a host of one of my favourite podcasts, Creative Rebels, hosted by the fantastic David Speed and Adam Brazier. Their podcast is aimed at creative entrepreneurs and went straight to number one for business podcast on Apple back in January this year. Now, that was no fluke, as you'll find out later, as they decided early that if you're going to do this, they're going to do it properly. And in 2010, they started their first business, Graffiti Life. With no established blueprint, their small team stood on the high street, drawing on a canvas and handing out business cards, hoping to get noticed. In the years that followed, they've grown into a successful business, with the team growing from 3 to 15 and regularly making art for global brands including Nike, L'Oreal and Disney. After receiving regular requests for help and advice from budding entrepreneurs, they decided the podcast was the ideal way to share their story and help as many people as they can. Now since we spoke, they've doubled the amount of podcasts they publish to two a week and have regularly recorded live podcasts at Apple stores, including a recent one with Reggie Yates. And they've continued to grow, both in terms of their confidence and sharing their thoughts, and how important the podcast has become to them. In this episode, yes, episode one, you'll hear how the podcast first came about, how their approach to interviews has changed, how they get the stellar names they do onto their show, and our mutual admiration for Adam Buxton and his awesome podcast. Now, this isn't the only podcast out today. Make sure you check out episode two with the fantastically lovely David Garrido, former Radio 1 sports presenter, and now a regular on Sky Sports, a sought-after event host and owner of his own successful La Liga podcast. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Thank cool. you very much. Sorry, thanks for having us. Really appreciate you taking the time out. It's kind of weird because I'm used to kind of interviewing people that either I have no idea about mm-hmm. or I know quite well the friends of mine that come on, yeah. but not people I feel I kind of know but actually have no idea about. <laughs> so it's the first time it's kind of interviewing podcasters from generally people I listen to. Yeah. Um, and I was going back, I think it was Amy Keane was the one that I came in on. Oh, okay. So right. what was I think I saw a post from her, I don't know if it's on Twitter or something like that, suggesting it. And then I kind of yeah. listened to that and then you kind of, that's... I want to say it was episode 16. Yeah. That's what's in my head, but it's around. Quite there. often they come into those and then you kind of have a look through the back catalog. Yeah, and well, just like, like, I don't think I've ever caught them from the start. I always no. find them halfway through or like or years and years through. and then you I realize- resisted Adam Buxton for a long time. And I was just like, no, no, it can't be like, I know it picks up a wolf's banana and I start this to it. I was like, okay, yeah, it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's like regularly within the, within the top of the actual whole iTunes chart yeah. as well. Yeah, so I, I sort of, I've been a fan of Adam and Joe for, I mean, 25 years probably. Like I probably found their stuff when I was a 15-year-old kid. Um, and like they were obviously probably like 10 years older and just just watching the Adam and Joe show on Channel 4, which was like 
set in their bedroom which they they built the set to look like a bedroom and just completely DIY making videos out of toys and like to me at 15 that was the coolest thing in the world so I've followed them ever since then listened to their uh, their radio show the Adam and Joe show when they were on I think they were on Six Music um, listened to that religiously when they do Text the Nation and all of that sort of stuff and uh and I kind of felt like they were my little secret that no one knew, else knew about. But then you see Dr. Buckles on number one on iTunes and you're like, oh, wow, people have realised that he's amazing. He's the best. He's so funny. Yeah, they do the Adam and Joe Christmas special. I haven't listened yeah. to one yet. I, I came in, I'd never really heard of him. Oh, he's apart so, from he's, a bit he's of the podcasting. Yeah, he's I remember brilliant. Adam and Joe, Joe show being on TV, but only I remember it because it's my name. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And I think I watched like 10 minutes and I was like, well, what the hell is this? And then just never watched it again because it would have been, I'd have been quite young at the time and it was probably kind of like quite late. Yeah, it was late. It was late on Channel 4 and I used to record it on VHS because I'm older than you. Um, I used to record it on VHS and me and my friends like literally like just wore those VHSs out from just replaying them over and over again. And there's, there's stupid things in that, like stupid sketches that I still know word for word that... Yeah, I think that. Uh, yeah, I think they're brilliant. And like, he's he's so innovative, and he has a podcast with adverts that I'll actually listen to the whole way through because they're entertaining I songs often, that he's I made. I often think, is the podcast just an excuse for him to come up with the kind of musical interviews? New songs, yeah. Because it's kind of like, you know, he kind of enjoys doing interviews, but he really likes doing those bits. Yeah. And you can tell he's just an audio absolute aficionado, can't you? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to work out. I love his intro. You know, when he's walking the dog. Chances are he's not walking the dog and he's certainly not getting all those from one audio recording. So I'd Really? Lo- I would love to. This is part of what he's I've tried He's definitely walking to, the dog. Because you, you hear the hairy bullet speeding past. But you can just add an audio track to that. <gasps> oh my God. This, this is, is Star Wars. I'm learning, learning when I go out. You know, I can, record, I can record the audio fine, but trying to get the background is really, really hard. So unless you've got three hands and you're, you know, you've got your handheld recorder and you've got another microphone or, you know, you, you can't have your two minds doing the same thing. Yeah. So I'm convinced he's kind of got some of it. Yes, I think he's outside, but I think he gets a lot of the crisp because it's too clear. I think yeah, if, it's, if, the, if the recording sounds great, it premiums it's been done separately. There's a lot of like cinematic videos that I watch on YouTube and all of those, if there's a waterfall that won't be the audio that was happened. That would be happening like there and then it'll either be, someone's just gone online and searched for waterfall sound or river sound or something or they've gone up with a separate recorder, held it next to the water source and recorded from there and just laid that over the top. And I watch a lot of kind of how to make videos and all these little tips and stuff. And it's crazy some of the things that people use that aren't, actually that sounds they just make things that sound kind of like that and then layer up sounds it's like um there was one i was watching the other day of this guy making a video of, of a skateboard company and there was like the sound of the grip tape going and i think he was just like scratching it along something that was like on his desk uh, and then to pierce a hole through it he got like a nail like tapped it and then made a bit of a thud sound and then layered him up so it was like like so it was like sound of it going through a grip tape and then the kind of tear of it going through, but then a third of it hitting the nail hitting the other end. And it was like made of three random sounds that he literally made it as they together and it sounded like you were putting a... Like Do you guys a- want to stop ruining the magic for me? <laughs> 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 okay, let's get on to you guys because we've spoken a lot about other people's podcasts and bits and pieces. But as you kind of mentioned before, you know, there was a lot of prep that went into your podcast. Yeah. You launched in, you've only been doing this since officially since January. Yeah. Or, 
people know you've been doing it yeah. since January. But there was, what, a year's prep that went into that? And it's a lot of recording. About, yeah, it's about a year's lead up in terms of networking. And then... From, like, from like original first discussion of maybe we should start a podcast. Well, first discussion was probably like three years ago. Really? Yeah, we talked about it a long time ago. I remember listening to a Gary Vee episode about two or three years ago where he was like, you should definitely do a podcast. And we were in the gallery at the time. I'm coming to you and being like, we should start a podcast. And you're a bit like, yeah. And then two years later, you said, we should start a podcast. And I was like, great. Yeah, we'll do it. Yeah. David's trying to claim all the credit for that one. I just don't remember. <laughs> I can remember it so vividly. I, can remember I, have, I have a bad memory anyway, so... But yeah, six months in terms of actually kind of getting down and being like, oh, this is, we're going to get started now. We'll what think was of a thinking? name. Why did you decide, yes, we want to do it? What was the idea behind it? Because so it's, not, it's not going to be about making money, not directly anyway. No, definitely. That's never been our aim. Like we've got business, we've got four businesses that bring in money anyway. And like it got to a stage where people were emailing us all the time, especially like, and David would always make the effort to go in and like reply to people. Yeah, when I was at university, I was... Uh, part of my course was to contact artists who were making a living and I sent out some emails and I never heard back from any. And so then when we started our company, a lot of, uh, a lot of sort of students and stuff would get in touch because everyone has to do a project on graffiti at some point in their life. So they'd get in touch with us cause our, our business is painting on walls and, um, well, our main one, our, like our main focus business is painting on walls. And, um, and yeah, people were getting in touch saying like, how did you do this? And, if they had a similar business, like having, um, like how should I, how should I start my, um, my painting events company or something like that. Um, and so we'd, we'd be spend a lot of time just getting back to these people cause no one ever did for me. Um, I've, I've even got a folder on my, on my laptop that's got old interviews in there because typically it's the same question. So I can just grab out copied and paste bits to send back to people. So it was taking, that would take that would help with the the time commitment somewhat, but we were spending a lot of time getting back to these, and then and then when you'd meet people who were like maybe on the start of their journey, like we started our first company nine years ago, and when you meet people who are at the beginning of their journey, you don't realise how much you know after nine years of, of running a business. Um, given that like most businesses fail after five years and like we're still going, it's like okay, we maybe we do know some stuff. And then people would come up to us and then we'd start helping people. And then it just sort of got to the point where I think um, I saw a really funny tweet this morning that was like, um, two millennials have uh, an interesting conversation. Let's start a podcast. <laughs> that's like the, that's like the conversation. Um, and it, but it kind of was like that. Um, we'd, we kept on sort of giving people advice and then they'd get back to us six months later and be like, oh, I put your advice into action and now I'm here. Look, how amazing is that? And we were like, well, it felt really good helping those two, three, four, five people. And then we're going into schools and unis and giving talks and stuff and maybe affecting like 30 people in the room. And then we were like, well, if we put it on the internet, then we could affect thousands potentially, um, which is what what's happened. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so it's, it, it really sort of grew from there. Just, um, our, what we always say to people, like when they when they say, oh, I'm thinking of starting a podcast is start with why, um, which is something that we've always looked at after reading Simon Sinek's book, start with why on your podcast. And our why was just to help people. Um, and we we didn't make it to, we didn't start it to make money, but it turns out that when you do help a bunch of people, opportunities start coming your way like quite thick and fast so mm -hmm. um the 
I mean, we're a lot busier now because of because of the podcast, um, which is great and it's really fun. But it's like, yeah, it's opening doors that we that we didn't really know were going to be opened, which is which is amazing. Yeah, we've done four talks in the last three weeks, and that was just through the podcast. Yeah, and and it's gaining um, sort of interest in our business as well. People are if people listen to like four or five episodes and keep hearing us talk about graffiti life at the beginning of every one, then they're starting to like look it up and follow us on Instagram and all that sort of stuff. So that's the thing about podcasts. You never know who's listening. And I mean, yeah, we've, we've been contacted by someone who was listening at a big brand that you would have heard of that does photo manipulation software. Um, and they, they just like someone from there just happened to be listening and was like, Oh, we've got some opportunities. Would you like to, would you like to get involved? Like, yeah, okay. Um, and then you've got um, Apple. I think we probably popped up on Apple's um, radar just because they obviously saw the download numbers and were like, huh? Yeah, going to number one straight away <laughs> yeah. is, yeah, going to flag something. But yeah, so they got they got in contact pretty soon after we'd launched and uh, have arranged for us to do some live podcasts in one of their stores um, in July. It's going to be exciting. So yeah, so lots of opportunities have come from it, but that wasn't why we started it. It was, it's just kind of a happy side effect. You started off, with, as you said, with quite a bang. A lot of people, you know, the advice would be just get started. Yeah. You didn't go down that route. It was kind of a bit more planned. No. I think because we run four other businesses and we're very, very busy, we didn't have the time to put into something that we're going to launch with 50 listeners and build up two listeners a week for the next four years because even then we're not we're not helping as many like we're doing it to help people if we can only help 50 people on launch that's not going to help us like we needed to go to number one like our aim was to go to number one and we're like if we can't do that there's no point of us doing it like we need that's our complete aim because if we can get no, number one we'll hit new and noteworthy on the apple overall and we did um and then we got picked up by uh, apple for be your own boss section which came up soon so like suddenly gives a great platform to just help more and more people and if you've got a thousand people, actually well, more than that, like 3000 people who are like telling one other person about it, it can grow so exponentially when you've got that almost that big snowball to start to start with rather than a small one. What order did you record them in? Was it the same order that you've released it? Or did no, you play so because- we recorded 14 before we launched um, and we wanted to launch with a variety, because we wanted to launch with a variety. We had four on launch day and... We wanted people from different backgrounds. And that that was a, a calculated um, decision as well to have four on launch day because people do like to binge. And when you do find a podcast, if you just listen to one episode and you don't subscribe, then you might not remember to come back next week. So whereas four, we've got four chances to catch you to subscribe at the end because, and as soon as people have listened to four episodes, they know whether it's for them or not. And then and then they carry on. So that was a, that was a definite plan. How important was the guests? on that launch as well because so you, you so, went with Emma Gallon she's our first well, one yeah first ones because we'd have recorded a lot before launch we knew those people would post about it on launch day so we basically kind of planned it so firstly that the guests would be the right people to launch with so Emma Gannon's perfect because she's on a very has a very similar message to what we have um, and then other people around there we were like well we know these other people were definitely going to post about it on launch day these are the ones might not post about it on launch day, but they'll definitely do it on their own episode. So let's maybe think about getting those in first. And it was just like a, it was a clever strategy in terms of planning what would give us the best results on launch day. I'm making notes. 
Yeah, go. For it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that so many people when they when they get an idea, that it, it's fresh and exciting, and you just want to go. Um, and having just having the patience to sit back and go, if I plan this properly, it's going to have so much more of an impact. And um, I'm sure you're aware of the stat of the average podcast lasts seven episodes before the producer gives up. After about seven weeks, you can kind of feel the, well, this isn't fun anymore. This is just work, and I'm and I'm not getting paid for it, and no one's listening to me. I'm shouting out into the void. And it's like the only way that we saw to avoid that was to was to start with a big impact and then grow the momentum from there rather than just hoping people would discover it gradually on a week-by-week basis. And I think the just start thing, like if you've got an idea and you want to do it, start. But you don't have to publish it yet. Like the starting is recording the episodes, learning how to record the episodes, learning what you want to talk about, why you're going to talk about that, who, what your brand is, like all that stuff. That's where you start. Start with a strategy. That's a great thing to start with. Like don't just go and put something out there, but you've not researched anything properly and it's just awful because someone's going to listen to that first episode and then never come back. Like make make a quality product to put out there. Like if you're making if you're making a product like a physical product that you could buy and sell, if you're going to make a t-shirt, you're not going to from never making any clothing before. You wouldn't just go and buy some fabric, cut it up, stitch it together, and then sell that first one. You'd work on it. You'd make sure that it was a good product before you sold it. It's like Apple when they release a new phone. It's that's been in the making for three years, and then it gets launched. If they release something they made in two weeks, it'd be awful. So going back to that first interview that you did, how did it go? What was it like? So before we actually did an interview, we sat down and did a practice. And that With each was, other? Yeah, just because we're like, <laughs> we need to test it and see what it sounds like. It was the most awful piece of audio ever. I'm pretty sure I've deleted it. I don't think I've got any more, but it might still be around somewhere. In, if it is, it's on the on 100th episode, we'll launch <laughs> it for people to have a laugh at. Um, yeah, we should. You should try and find it. Yeah. That's... that's I think that would be really interesting because so when I give talks at schools, um, the first thing I do is I start off showing them pictures of my early graffiti because it's rubbish because I've I've noticed that if I go in and only show them what I'm doing now, they have in their head, you're really good at that this. That gap is too big. Yeah, I'll never be able to do that. Whereas if I show them stuff that basically they're pretty much capable of doing now, then they can see like, oh, if I work really hard, I can be crap and then I can get really good. Um, and I think it's the this could be the same with this. If we if we put out like, look, you think that we're really polished and really great. Like here's our first attempt, and it was absolutely rubbish. Yeah, even just learning stuff. Like I remember our first actual interview was with Alexandra Dudley, and the windows here, like outside our the studio we're in now, there's like a, a big office space with windows. The windows were open because it was midsummer; it was absolutely roasting, and I think there's a fan on as well. And then when I came back to because we recorded them all. And then I started editing and I was like, oh, for God's sake, like it's so loud and noisy. Like you don't hear it when you're just in here, but all the little background noises you have to try and like get out to make it just something that's pleasing to listen to. That was hard. That was a hell of a learning curve. Um, but in terms of interviewing, like you can't, David kind of takes the main research role. Yeah. I, I research the shit out of the guests. Like I literally learn everything I can about them just to be prepared of, of which way to take it. When we first started, I didn't write any questions down, um, which was like an ego thing of I've researched them. I've got it all in my head and I didn't want to be tied down. I wanted 
that I wanted the freedom to, if they say something, then I'll, I'll listen because I haven't got any questions. So I have to listen. It's a really hard balance, isn't it? Yeah. I do find myself sometimes if it's a bit more of a kind of corporate one, that sometimes you're so busy reading the next question yeah. and haven't tried to have that in mind. So when you get that bit of silence, you know where you're going, but then you're not listening. Yeah. So I, I started off not writing them down. And then when we um, went on a little podcast tour to New York, we were doing, some days we were doing three in one day and I was getting people confused and I thought, okay, I'm going to start writing notes just for these ones in New York. And I found it so helpful to have them in my head, but then have the notes and I can look at them if I want to, or I can completely disregard them. And it just gives me the freedom of if there's ever a break in the conversation and I'm thinking, oh, what, I don't really know which route to take it next. Then I've just got a prompt of like, oh, remember when you got fired from your job at Rolling Stone magazine? And it's like, okay, great. Cause that is a question that I did have for someone. And yeah, so, so that was, that was a learning curve of starting off with no notes and thinking, oh, I'll just, I'll just freeball it. And then, which the, probably the first 15, 16 episodes of me with no notes. And then to, to where I am now, where I, where I write all my questions down. And on, in New York, we actually interviewed Torre. He's tomorrow's episode. Um, not when you are hearing this, dear listener. It will have been out a while ago. Um, but yeah, if you listen to our episode with Torre, he's interviewed Obama, Jay-Z, Biggie, Lady Gaga, like he's interviewed every single person on the planet. Rihanna, like just icons, legends. One of my later features was on Kanye, right? His first album. It took him like an hour to get <laughs> dressed, to finish getting dressed while I'm like waiting for him. So I'm like walking around the apartment. It wasn't that big. And there was a gigantic poster of Kanye on one of the walls, right? Where he's like in performance. So when he finally came out all in polo, it was like, so why do you have a poster of you on the wall in your house? And he said, well, I have to cheer for me before anyone else can cheer for me. He was so gracious with his time and we just spent ages just asking him loads of questions about interviewing, like off mic as well, just, oh, have you got any tips? Like, what should we do? Um, and I've picked up things from him. So he said um, little things like like statements are really great. So you just go, oh, isn't, isn't Rain brilliant? And then your interviewee will go, oh, no, Rain's rubbish. And then you can have, you, and or they'll go, yeah, Rain is brilliant. It reminds me of when I was in California. And like just, and you'll go on some weird road which is amazing um he also said um watch their body language which i thought was so interesting so he'll ask you something and and say he says like oh um do you did that with your brother and if then that person perks up and they that you see them like rise in their chair a little bit then you're like oh okay talk more about the brother and you can just go down that route which i thought was really useful um because i'm always listening to what they're saying but not necessarily like watching how that how they react to something so if a big beaming smile comes across their face i'm like okay well that i can up the energy of the interview if i go down that route so that was interesting but i mean we just decided to do a podcast we did one practice episode with each other then the first few people that we did, we were kind of friendly with, um, like, like Adam more so than me, but we knew them a little bit. And then, yeah, we're still learning. We're only 25 episodes in. How did you in. find that transition from people you're familiar with to someone you've never met before? 
Because it's a slightly different dynamic, isn't it? So for me, I do portrait photography as well, like as a hobby on the side. Um, I pre started that about a year and a half ago. And that was, so that was basically off the back of going traveling for six months, taking loads of great photos. My Instagram got quite big. Getting back to London and not having these amazing, beautiful things to take pictures of all the time. I was like, well, I've got this like need to take photos now. So because I'd always done portraiture in terms of art, I was like, well, let's try and do some portrait photography. So just messaged a few people on Instagram, said like, would you like to do a shoot? Uh, someone got back to me and said yes. So that was kind of the first shoot that I went out and did. And that first one was so nerve wracking. And it was like, you're meeting someone you've never met before. You're with them for two hours. You're forced to be in this conversation. And I kind of got really like, to start with it was so scary, but then more I did it, it just became like, oh, it's completely fine. Like I can't believe how nervous I used to be knowing like what I'm like now. And then me and my girlfriend went to a food event and like we're quite into food, like the food and the food scene. And I thought, well, after that, I'm just going to message the five people who are running this, uh, who are all like foodie people and just say like, I'd love to offer you a free shoot. Um, a few people got back to me. One, specific, one specifically got back to me. That was actually Alexandra, the first episode we recorded with. And it became a really great tool for just going to meet people that I thought were interesting because a lot of people in the kind of influencer space need photos. So if I could find someone that I was interested in or wanted to get to know, I'd just drop them a message saying, I'd love to offer you a free shoot. And then you're spending two hours with them, getting to know them. And a lot of those people then became my guests. And quite often now, if I'm like, they'd be a good guest, I'll message them and be like, well, would you like a free shoot? And then you've got, you've got two hours with them to get to know them, to see what they're like, and then work out whether they'll be good for the show or not. Um, so I think... If we'd have started without me doing photography, like I started nervous anyway doing the show, but that would have been so different. And I'm now quite used to just talking to people. And I find since doing the podcast, I'll meet people and I'll kind of start interviewing them. And you'll kind of get like, I'm talking, I'm like, God, I'm just trying to, I'm like digging through this person's life and they don't really know that it's happening. I'm just, I suppose it's just helping, like learning how to have a conversation. Yeah, it's funny listening to because obviously, you know, I do it by myself and just two of you do it. So sometimes, you know, one will take more of the lead. And I think it's mainly David. But then the last one that I listened to was Instagram with Brandon. Yeah. Which is definitely you taking the lead on yeah, that because yeah. that's your area of interest. Absolutely. So like, right, I'm all over this one. This is I've, I've got so many questions yeah. to ask. I mean, how do you book people? You know, you say you kind of contact people over DM and things and around the photography. But how do you get hold of, you know, YouTubers, big Instagram accounts? Because Brandon's got what, two million, three, three million. Three million, yeah. Three million followers. So Brandon was just a cold email, um, probably six lines long. Because like, most of these influencers have got like an email button on their Instagram and it's normally like at gmail.com. Yeah, so it's generally really easy to get to people. Just drop them a cold email and they're really... I always just do a really short email, just straight to the point. This is what we're doing. This is what the podcast is about. I attach a PDF that's kind of a little bit about the show. So if they want to read past those five, six lines... Just stick in the first line, number one podcast yeah. in the first week and everyone goes, yes. Yeah, cool. and and a lot of people who are more influency who we get on because I've got quite because I've got quite a large following on Instagram and my portraits are really good I'll just message them and be like well, do you want a portrait and shoot? because he's really humble yeah. <laughs> but yeah a lot of people get back that way and and now I've shot with enough people that if someone's a friend of a friend I'll be like oh can you put me in touch with them and they'll just say yes because they're now my friends like a lot of people I shoot with now are in like the food wellness health kind of industry because it's kind of I've shot with this person and they're friends with this person it's kind of like it grows but now there's not 
I feel like there's no one that if I contacted I'm interested in, they wouldn't get back. Like in like next week I'm shooting with someone who started a massive beauty brand like years ago, like they're super famous. And that's just because they started following me on Instagram because of someone I met somewhere else who told them about me. And so, yeah, I think if I want to shoot with anyone, I'll just, or get someone on the podcast, just message them. People are too scared to ask sometimes. And more often than not, if you go to someone with a good purpose of why you're doing it, if you're doing something for a good reason, a lot of people just say yes. And ad contacts a lot of people, but I contact a lot of people as well. I'll find someone on a blog or just randomly scrolling through Instagram. I'll find like a cool illustrator or something. Um, that was how I found uh, Alex Norris. I um, just found like someone reposted one of his stupid web comics that are hilarious. Um, and then I was just like, oh, this person looks interesting. And uh, yeah, went on their Twitter and um, found their email address. And there we go. Then we've got a, an episode with with them so yeah it's um just yeah just look just find people and and contact them and like more times than not they'll say yes well if your if your reasoning is is pure and you're doing it for a good reason i mean for us it's easy now because we've got the pedigree and we've got we've had good guests and we've got a big audience and stuff like that but um when we started out we had zero had zero listeners zero followers and we just built it from the ground up You've had quite a few guests on now. Which has been your favourite so far? I think my favourite was Debbie Millman. I feel like yours might be the same. No, she's set up. It's still Kate. Why Uh, why, why was that? So the first podcast I ever listened to was Debbie Millman. That was probably about six years ago when I wasn't really listening to podcasts. Like David's listened to podcasts for years, so I think he probably got me onto the idea of it. And... Like I'm really into design, so I'm just probably going to podcast app, typing design, saw Design Matters by Debbie Millman come up, clicked on it. And she was interviewing people who were like just awesome people in the design world and and just like really interesting people. So I started to listen to that. And like she's had the longest running podcast ever. Like she's been running it for 14 years. She was doing podcast-esque things before podcast was even a word. And she's just so full of knowledge and like wisdom that we were talking to her in New York in her office and I was just sat there like how is this even happening this is crazy like six years ago when I was listening to this I never could have ever dreamed that I would be in the room with her in New York it's just bizarre and then we came out of that interview completely inspired and I remember getting in the lift and looking to David and being like this is fucking real like this is so good (laughs) and she and she was so generous with her time and like literally we'd we we cut the episode down but she'd bring something up and she'd go oh actually let me show you this book and she'd go to her vast bookshelf she's got just a wall that's full of books she'd pull something out she'd be flicking through it she'd be like yeah there you go and she'd show us all of these things in these books and like it was it was we were probably with her for about two hours and it ended up being an hour-long podcast but a lot of it was just yeah just off mic just her being wonderful um yeah she she was amazing my favorite episode was with kate lever um, who's a journalist, but also a friendship expert. Um, and I think just, I, I just learned so much from reading her book and then, and then to interview her. And she's such a lovely, pure, like pure hearted person. She, you just know that she's just a good person when you meet her. She's just lovely. 
So I really enjoyed her, and I also enjoyed. It hasn't aired yet, but we did an episode with Will Store. Oh, um, and, that's a fascinating one. And and your Adam's brain hurt so much at the end of it, that he had to go home. Yeah, like, <laughs> got to lie down for a bit. Yeah, we recorded it in the afternoon. It was I think he came in at three, didn't he? Yeah. And by the time he'd gone, it was probably about half four. And Ad was like, "Right, I'm done for the day. I'm going to have to go I, home." I was I'd, just mentally so fucked, like because everything he was talking about, he does like neuroscience and stuff. So. So he doesn't I'm, do neuroscience. He's a, he's an author. He's a writer, and he he covers neuroscience, which topic. I'm like fascinated with. And then that linked to Seth Godin's marketing books. I was like, whoa, this all just now merges, and it was like a, a proper like unlock moment. So he left, and I was just like, just in my own head, all these synapses like going mental. Um, and yeah, that was that was really inspiring. Actually, that was I think that was mo- the most interesting episode. I think for me in terms of just like that unlocked something but it was a Debbie Millman one that made me have the full belief that this is definitely going to be successful yeah and I think when you're sat with when you're sat with Debbie Millman and you realise that she's interviewed people like um, Tim Ferriss and just absolute luminaries and then you're and then the next day you're sat with Torre and he's interviewed more icons and Lady Gaga and people like that then you just realise like okay it's just time the more time we put into this at some point we'll be in a room with Tim Ferriss I've I'm totally confident with that at some point we'll be in a room with Joe Rogan or or um, Gary Vee or like these they're they're just other humans and they through our body of work which is building currently I know we'll be in the room with those people and that excites me on two levels one to meet them um, and pick their brains for my own gain but secondly because start with why the whole reason behind the podcast i know that those people will be so helpful to our audience um, and it's funny how for us i think if you listen to podcasts when you say a name like a tim ferris it's like everyone's like oh tim ferris amazing four hour work week but the amount of people that we meet and and we're giving advice to and you go um so um, have you read tim ferris's books and they go tim who and you're like oh okay it's it's there's a lot of people know about people like that and Gary Vee and all of those sort of like it's quite a generational gurus. thing as well yeah so it's, it's it's interesting but I I feel like that's the future for us is is um, I don't feel like there's anyone that we won't be able to get at some point if we keep going yeah, yeah. I've, got, I've got someone there's a, a guy called Lewis Howes yeah. yeah so I've known him for nine years no way so he came over to London because he started off doing Sports Networker right ah. around the same time that I started my blog yeah so, but he was a bit further on. He'd done, he did a book about LinkedIn, which I got. And then he came over to UK, didn't do an event with me, which I was slightly annoyed with. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and the event wasn't very good. So next time he came over, he did an event with me and over at Marlebone at the bar, the sports bar downstairs. Yeah. You couldn't move in there. It was yeah. absolutely yeah, round. We gonna, he was going to do a talk in there, but there was just no room. So yeah. it was just, you know. So he came over again a few months later, and that was probably about 2000. 11, 12, something like that. Now you look at him. Yeah. yeah. And he's got his school of greatness. Yeah. You know, he interviews and he's friends with Tim Ferriss yeah. and Gary Vee and all mm. these kind of people. You know. Well, you need him for your episode one. I mean, yeah. that would be that would be such a coup. That I mean, I would check with him now what his travel plans are. And if it's within the next year he's gonna be over here, I would I would mm. wait I would wait do you ever out do a year. Ones, you haven't done any that you haven't been in the room. Oh yeah, those. I suppose you could Skype him, couldn't you? It, it's our rule, but it's a silly rule. It's just I that's what we've decided like we prefer. Yeah, it. The we, sound is better for starters. Yeah. My computer doesn't like Skype at the moment. Yeah. And, and there's there's no lag in real in real life and, mm. and sometimes I feel like that can affect interviews. But 
if it means, I mean, if Obama's got in touch and was like, I'll do your podcast, but it's only on Skype, well, then we'll be to, like... He needs to promote his own podcast now, doesn't he? Yeah, he does, yeah. So, you know, you never know. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, if you are willing to do Skype interviews or stuff, then and and you do know him, then I would say that's, that's episode one for sure. That'll fire you out of the cannon with a bang and then you'll be up and running. We talk best podcasts. What's the kind of the worst experience? Well, you know, I made all the people have obviously been great, but have there been times where it might have been a technical thing or you just didn't connect? Or what's the worst kind of things that have happened? I think the only bad thing I initially think of is one of our first episodes recorded. It was an amazing episode. It was so good. And then listening to it back, it was just this crackly, roboty mess. Uh, The lost episode. And I think it, I think it was one of our the initial mics that we bought, um, because we recorded an, it was fine again for like two or three after that, and then we recorded an intro, it was quite time sensitive because I think like it was towards the end of the day we're launching the next morning, and I remember David's track was perfect and mine was roboty again, so we realised okay well it must be that mic because it's happened twice now, um, and then I had to go home that evening because David was on a job or something, and I remember having to take a good mic home. And then have the conversation again, but with David's recording. So I had to try and remember what I said before, but like David would say something and then I would just fill it in and just chopped it together. So it sounded like a fluid intro and it bloody did. It sounded great. Nice. Yeah, no one, no one spotted that. that no, actually was spot a, that, one. that was a conversation that did not happen. Um, <laughs> yeah, really, really interesting. I mean, in New York, we were hurriedly trying to get from one point of the city to the other and in dismantling the mics, I twisted one of these road mics and um, and broke the plastic connector here. So I just literally went like that because I thought I was screwing it from here and uh, completely broke one of our mics. And then we had to gaffer tape it in the cab on the way to our next interview. Um, that was stressful. But I think, I mean, we've we've not met a horrible person yet. I think just the the law of averages and human beings. I'm sure at some point that's I bound think the to happen. People you generally got are used to talking, yeah, mm-hmm. and are very conversational, so they're very comfortable with it. You know, I think sometimes I've certainly experienced it when you're de- talking to people who aren't used to it. Then sometimes the worst is when someone's talking and they don't tail off. So you know you can tell when someone's come to the end of what they're saying. Yeah, but some people just finish. And it completely screws you because you're not expecting it. Yeah. And I've definitely had people like that. And sometimes you get it when you just, there's just don't get connection. So yeah. the kind of, the conversation's just a little yeah. bit awkward. So I you think, do get I think being a friendly host really helps as well because we've had a few people where it's been their first one. How, been how, really... do you, how do you kind of settle someone down to start with? Because so your style do... isn't, gonna, isn't kind of go in there with a hard question straight away. No. So what we try and so kind of like today, so you arrived, we had a bit of a chat before we started. And I think, we, like I start recording probably 15, 20 minutes before we actually start an episode. So it's kind of a conversation. We kind of like let them know that there's like, that anything they say that they want editing out, we can sort that out after. Just kind of make Because we've realize. had people say stuff that they regret, like they've dissed their old boss or stuff. And so we always say at the beginning, like to make you just feel at ease, like if you say anything that you want us to take out afterwards, just let us know and we'll get rid of it. We had um, two YouTubers on um, who had a really frank and honest conversation about how much money they were earning, which was great, which I wish we could have aired, but they got in touch afterwards and they were like, can you take the money bit out? And it's like, 
well, yeah, we said we take, we said we did it. So yeah, we took it out. Um, so, but that was a, that was a heartbreaker. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that puts people at ease, doesn't it? Cause they know even if they fuck up, they know they can just, we can just get rid of yeah. it. Yeah. And just telling people that like, if you stumble on something, we can edit it down. Like if you say lots of ums and likes or filler words, we can just cut them out. So it's, it's going to sound flawless anyway. And just have like a friendly conversation beforehand. So it feels like you're not just going straight into a pressured interview. And also it's not, we always say it's convers- it was conversational, so there's no pressure. Just try and like break it down to like make them realise that the world's not going to end if they say something wrong. And a lot of times the episodes start off with kind of like a bit of their background. So people generally talk about that quite easily anyway because it's their own life. So there's no way that they can go wrong. And then as we go into the episode and it gets further, that's when the nuggets start to come out of like these little gems of information where people get more comfortable and start to have opinions about stuff and it becomes a bit broader as it goes on. I think with us as well, we're not trying to like trick you into anything. Um, yeah. One of the things when I was researching Torre was um, he had a really infamous interview with R. Kelly. And one of his questions to R. Kelly was, do you like teenage girls? And R. Kelly's answer to that was define teenage. So, I mean, I mean, what an answer. I mean, what, like, I mean, it just, it boggles <laughs> yeah. the brain. I mean, literally, you'd, I mean, you'd just be like, no, wouldn't you? But, um, but he goes into an interview um, sometimes if it's someone like that, um, and he's looking for the story, he's got to ask difficult questions. And, and sometimes he has a route where he wants to get them to and he has to make them feel comfortable and open up over the course of the interview to get the killer question in that's going to be the headline. Yeah. For us, we don't have to... I'm not trying to trick anyone. We're just having a nice chat. Yeah. Hopefully some people will listen to it and it'll help them. So that's a, a very different kind of interview and a, a, a pure and happy interview that we don't have to worry about because then at the end of that interview, um, Torre describes that like R. Kelly's like, well, I'm, you're never going to interview me again and his people are like, you must leave now. And it's all very horrible and like... Yeah, it's more aggro. Of kind of angry journalism yeah and we don't we don't have to worry about that i think you know hopefully with this it's getting that mix so you get you know nice comfortable conversation you just want to kind of share things be nice with and everyone enjoy the experience versus political commentators yeah yeah really interesting stories to get out of you know they really need to okay we need a story otherwise you're out the door you don't have a job show you this john snow would be great yes yeah he'd be really good so there's Uh, so many channel four not of the wall Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, he knows nothing. Like, like, do you ever listen to people and think, you know, I, I've, I've learned some technique or I want to kind of be like they, they interview people? No. Or is it just very much, this is how we do it? And yeah. Yeah. We just, I don't know. It's just, I don't think you can be anyone else. You can't replicate anyone else. I think that's um, the advice a lot of people give. Just like, do it yourself. Don't try and copy someone else because that will just be the same interview that they've done or as if you just be yourself you're going to give a unique interview because no one else is you if we and and also our dynamic together like if i was trying to be gary v and you were trying to be tim ferris it would just be a shit show yeah um we've we've both got our energy levels that are that are our energy levels and i think yeah just doing an impersonation of someone else it would and it it would we'd get you'd get found out like because you can't pretend to be someone else 24 7 and as soon as it cracks then people will jump on you and just be yeah. like but and i don't i want people to be able to meet us at, a, at an event or whatever and just be like oh those are the the guys that i listen to on the yeah. bus not disappointed of yeah, like, yeah. oh they're really mis- <laughs> miserable and deflated compared to these hype people that yeah. they're online do you have certain things though you think 
if you're listening to a podcast, you want it to be like this, you know, certain energy levels or certain, you know, certain pace to it or anything like that. I feel like I won't specifically go to someone because of their energy levels. Like, to be honest, if I, if I want to be uplifted or feel like I need a bit of go, I might listen to Gary Vee, who's got that kind of energy. But most of the time, I don't need this massive burst of energy in my ears. I just want to be normal like I am every day and just listen to people who are talking normal and just yeah and a com- like a conversation that you have in real life isn't someone going yo so tell me about this and it's like that's that's like really intense it's it's like Ed Milet it's just a oh my god yeah <laughs> you ever heard the Ed Milet podcast no. um so I listen to it religiously actually which is funny because he's hella religious um which I'm not but um I take that stuff with a pinch of salt that he talks about all of that but he does this basically like um I suppose it's a motivational podcast and he does talk to some guests, but he just, he's just fired up. He's on another level. I don't, I like, I don't know whether he's just come out of the gym cause he's jacked. He's this massive, guy is yeah. absolutely jacked. He's like, um, a, he's like a angry personal trainer. One more, one more, go, yeah. go, go. It's just, when I'm in the gym, I put in one more rep. If you can't put in one more rep in everything in life, in sales, in your personal life, in your relationships, you put in one more rep. It's just like, wow. <laughs> yeah. but I've actually learned so much from him because he's got he's got a lot of techniques, and I'm I'm a, a sponge, and I'll I'll try anything once if I, if it works, then I'll carry on doing it. If it doesn't, I tried meditation, didn't really work for me, didn't carry on doing it. Tried cold showers because of old Ed Milet, carried on doing cold showers because I found them actually really beneficial. So I think it's yeah, it's it's finding that balance. There are some people who, but that's him. That's unapologetically him. And I've never met him, but I'm sure if I did, he would be this big, <laughs> jacked up, Southern American, like just dude. Energy. And yeah. And that's fine. It's like The Rock. The Rock is always The Rock. I mean. Well, he's got to live to that persona now. Yeah. You know, you set a persona and that might not be the real Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. But that's his public profile. So that's, he's got to live up to that. Otherwise, people are. Who are you? Well, we're What's making our public profile just us as it is us so that we don't have to ever <laughs> yeah. put, put on an act because it would be way. exhausting. Yeah, especially it's like if we went high energy and then we'd been doing a talk late night before and then I've been editing the podcast. Oh, we've got a podcast at 9am the next day. Like, you don't want to have to come in there and be like, oh, I'm going to smash 10 Red Bull just so I can get on the level <laughs> that I need to. Not that our podcasts are low energy. They're just normal energy. Yeah, they're yeah, just yeah, us having a chat like we normally do. Yeah, you don't want to listen to a podcast and be exhausted after half an hour just listening yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah. How long do you think you're going to keep this going? And have you got double-ended question? Always a bad way to go. Uh, who is the kind of pinnacle do you want to get on the show? Have you got your kind of hit list of people still to come? I think in terms of finishing, like never. I I don't see a potential. It's not going to end be like a series. And then no, like we've decided to just keep going. Um, so I suppose we'll keep going, and then maybe we'll get to episode 200 and be like, fuck, we need a bit of a break now. Um, but I think as long as we're still... When you've, got, when you've had Tim Ferriss on, then you go, all right, OK, we're going to take a month off. Oh, I don't know. No. Because <laughs> like, we have, like, Brandon was a great guest of three million followers. Like, he was, yeah. like, and Debbie Millman was, like, the longest friend of podcast. Like, there's no reason to stop. Yeah. I, I really enjoy it as well, so... And I think in, in 25 episodes, our lives have already changed. Mm. And I think after 300 episodes, that, like things will just be completely different for us yeah like i don't think i'm ever not going to want to help people so unless that goes because i've become a bitter horrible old man <laughs> like i think we'll just keep going it is really i actually really love like um 
I love seeing how happy it makes you. Like you get really charged up when, especially when it's in person and, and if we're helping people after an event. Adam comes away like, and he's just got this little glow of like, cause he's, cause he knows that he's just like helped loads of people with that. And they'll just be like, yeah, I just said this, this, this to this person and this, this, this to this person. And we're like, we have a little chat and break down the advice that he goes, gives them. But I really love how, how much it energizes yeah, you. Yeah, I get such an adrenaline rush from it. Yeah. It's so great. Yeah. I just love, I love it. I love that kind of feeling of just seeing someone, see it click in someone's head. I think that's it. Look at him. Look, he loves it. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as you, yeah, you get to see someone I'm like, oh, I didn't realize I could do that. And I'm like, oh, I've just saved you so much time and made your life so much better. And that makes me so happy. I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. That's fantastic. And I'm glad to hear that you're not going to take a break as well because I really love listening to it. Good. Oh, thanks. Um, just to finish off, what's your kind of top tips for anyone listening, whether it's a kind of journalism student or someone with their own podcast who are interviewing people? What can they look at, you think, that's going to help them improve, that they can take something away? So for me, it would definitely be growing a network of people around you who are great and like-minded. Um, like people say all the time, but you are the average of the five people you spend most time with. And I really believe that. I think if you look at the people around you, if they're not someone who's going to drive you in a direction that you want to be, find a new five people. Like you don't have to break up friendships, like, but just find other people to hang around with or surround yourself with. If you're looking to get into podcasting, surround yourself with people who are doing good podcasts. If you're looking to do writing, find some people who are great at writing and surround yourself with them because it's only going to drive you forward. And I think being alone on an endeavor can be quite lonely. So I think having a bunch of people around, like when we started our business, like we've got like me, David and Yana, like we've always been like a little unit and to have that little family support network that when you're having a down, you've got someone else to lift you up is, is just, I think it's one of the best things about our company. Yeah. Start with why, um, start with why you want to make a podcast. If it's to become a millionaire, that's definitely possible. Um, you just have to work out like how you're going to do it and how you're going to, because in order to make loads of money from podcasting, you're going to have to bring in a huge audience and then you're going to have to advertise out that audience. That's basically the, the way that that's going to work. Um, and that's fine, but I just think it's not enough to sustain you. And I think if that's your reason for getting in, you're going to have to go a lot of episodes before you build that audience. And I feel like most people, if they're just doing it to get money, then that will fall off. So I think do it, um, make sure it's something that you're passionate about because people will people will pick up on it and they'll know that you're that's why you're doing it and that's authentic and they'll that's why they'll listen um, and I think don't let I mean if you're thinking of starting a podcast look at the success stories and look at the at the seven episodes and then stopping and decide which one you're going to be and if you're going to be one of the ones that is a success which are few and far between um, but I mean literally the first thing we did was Google how to launch a number one podcast and there's a lot of blogs that say this is how you launch a number one podcast there's a few people who've documented it I think we'll probably document it at some point and that information is out there and it's hard work and nothing easy what's the phrase um nothing worth doing is easy so like yeah put it, it will take hard work it will take time there are ways to kind of springboard which is what we've just been talking about in this podcast like get big name guests on um capture the public's imagination in in some way and ask as well so that comes down to asking guests on um having the confidence to ask like fear holds so many people back you've got to conquer your own fear like your voice sounds shit to you 
our voices. We hate our voices. Everyone hates their own voice. You've got to get over that. You've just got to get over it. And even if someone says in the comments, like this person has a really annoying voice, there are a lot of podcasters who do have annoying voices, but they still find their audience. If there are people who will put up with it and get used to it and learn to love it. But most people don't have an annoying voice and they've just got to get over it. Don't let fear hold you back. Ask, um, ask your guests. And what we do on every show, at the end of every show, we say, you probably know someone that would benefit from listening to this podcast. Share it with them. And if you don't ask people to share it, they won't. So you always ask. Um, and yeah, just believe in yourself. And uh, I think, yeah, it's easy to say, isn't it? Just believe in yourself. But if you can build that up, that I'm going to put this podcast out and I'm going to make it successful. And your behavior mirrors that of the hours of hard work of promoting and going into random Facebook groups and dropping links to your podcast and, and being on Twitter and, and leveraging the guests audiences that you've had on and um, getting them to post about your show and all of those sorts of things. If you're prepared to put that grind into it, then it will be a success. Yeah. I mean, that, that everything we've spoken about here is us coming from zero listens to a successful show with no interview experience, no podcasting experience, no audio experience, no editing experience. We learnt it on YouTube and we learnt it on the job. And if we can do it, then you can. It's been absolutely fascinating talking to you both. It's been a strange experience because it's part... I've got my headphones on, so it's just like I'm listening to a normal podcast. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and just forget that I'm actually supposed to be interviewing you and just listening to you two talking to each other. Is that why you've had your eyes closed the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. So I haven't spoken at all. Um, and it's been kind of part therapy session as well for me. You know, I've learned so much and I always do... Part of the reason I love doing it is just kind of, yeah. as you say, being a sponge and just learning from all the people that have been there, done it, and kind of where you want to be as well. What a way to start the series. Thanks to David and Adam for their time. Do make sure you sign up to their podcast. Just search for Creative Rebels on any podcast platform and follow them on Instagram where they are Rebels Create. Links are in the show notes if you head to them as well. I took so much away from that chat, both when I was planning how to launch this idea and also to get the most out of guests when they do come on. I hope you found things in there that resonate with you and help you in some way. I'd love to hear your thoughts, so get in touch on Twitter at at Daniel McLaren and Instagram at Daniel J McLaren. Or head to our anchor page and leave a voice message on there. Thanks for getting through to the end and do carry on listening and hear my chat with David Garrido. Trust me, it's worth it. And remember to subscribe or follow Tables Turned so you don't miss episodes as they come out. Thanks to the talented Tim Keefe for the logo design and David and Adam again for being up for the show, despite it not even having a name at that stage. Take care of yourself and I'll see you again soon.